0: This morning, I want to talk to you about the fear of God. One of the things that I had to make sure that I understood was how do I measure the fear of God when you live in a grace culture, when you preach the goodness of God, when you preach the love of God, It is not an easy subject to wrap your head around when you come from a culture of such goodness and love. Everybody say amen. I don't believe that God wants us to fear him in the sense that you perhaps feared your mother or you fear death. I don't believe God wants us to have dread of him. I don't believe that God wants us to have any type of trepidation or intimidation or fright of him. I don't believe that at all. There are many preachers that preach this type of gospel, and I feel very disappointed about that. Unfortunately, when we hear the word fear or the fear of God, our mind immediately gravitates towards this notion of dread, terror. God is out to get me. God wants to punish me. And this morning I hope that I would be able to clear some of this up because I'm not gonna be able to finish it all, I'm confident of that. I'll finish it in, 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 in weeks to come. But I hope we can bring some clarity to the subject. Now, another thing that has been perturbing me is this. There is a fear movement on the earth for two reasons. Number one, fear has been our mantra since COVID. Number two, in the church... Because there is so much wickedness being loosed on the earth, at the same time, there are some who are teaching that the fear of God is missing from the church, in the sense that people are not scared of God anymore, and they're doing all sort of wickedness, which I don't believe. So with that being said, would you turn with me this morning to 1 John 4.18, and let's clear this doctrine up. First John 4 18 says, There is no fear in love. That's where you jump up and say, Amen. Amen. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear had torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. They are over. 1,000 scriptures in the Bible that talks about fear. About 365 of those scriptures talk about fear not. (laughs) One for every day, fear not. Another set of scriptures talk about fear of death, fear of disaster, fear of hardship about another 300 of those scriptures also talk about the fear of God. How many scriptures? About 300 scriptures talk about the fear of God. It wouldn't take you too long as you read the Bible for you to come across a line that says, fear God, fear the Lord. You will never find one, Pastor Thomas, that says, fear your wife, ever. I promise you that. (laughs) But the fear of God is a very central theme in the Bible. It is written right through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You will find the subject, the fear of God. And it's important that we, the church, understands what this is all about. Everybody say amen. Yeah. In fact, we are not only told about the fear of God, we are commanded to fear God. Psalm 33, 8, I think it is, says this. But let all the earth fear the Lord. and Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. However, at the same time as we are told to fear God, we are equally told to love God. This is pretty scary stuff. This is confusing, in fact, because we are given equal commandments to love God as much as we are given commandments to fear God. We are told that we should love God. In fact, I think it is, it is 1 John 4:8 that says, God is love. Now, how can God be love <laughs> and you're afraid of him? I don't know if any of you are afraid of your wife. If you are, I certainly don't think that's love. Parents or children that are afraid of their parents, mm, there's some question there. God is love. And, and we are told, watch this, we are told in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. It says, love the Lord, love the Lord. You shall love the Lord with all your hearts, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then we are told to fear God. Doesn't that sound weird? Don't we need some clarity? How many of you need some clarity this morning? Hey, Amen. I do. <laughs> I don't know how you think, but fear and love are not complementary. In the sense that it is, they don't mix, kind of like oil and water. Fear and love don't mix. Fear is on one end of the extreme, and love is on the other end of the extreme. Yet. The Bible tells us that both are necessary to understanding who God is. You must have fear. There is no removal of the doctrine of fear of the Lord from the Bible. You can't take it out. It's there, it's almost on every book of the Bible. Fear God. And you cannot remove the love of God from the Bible. It's there, love God. We have to now find the balance. Everybody say the balance. How do we use fear and use love in our understanding of who God is? I think of it kind of like baking a cake. You have oil and water in the cake and the flour makes it work. <laughs> flour is the binding agent between, between oil and water. And I'm not much of a baker. Hema is. Mike, where's Mike? My God, that rum cake, bro. Whew. I don't believe that God just wants us to love him. I don't believe that God just wants us to to be all gooey gooey with him. I believe God wants us to have a sense of fear for him. Fear is important. Fear must operate. But not the fear that you're thinking about. Not the fear in the sense of I'm scared of God. We're going to define fear today. So we can understand it better. Love and fear has to work together. I think if we just have the love of God and we don't have a healthy sense of what fear means, we could miss a side of God that should be in our hearts. God loves us. That's what you say, amen. God loves us. He loves everything about you. He means to do well for you. He doesn't want you to be afraid of Him. But are we not supposed to fear Him? Not at all. Not at all. Where this all makes sense, and perhaps where it all becomes confusing at the same time, is that many of us don't understand fear in the Bible. We don't know fear. We only know fear from our parents. Everybody say amen. Amen. If you're West Indian, we were born with fear. <laughs> amen. Say amen. She's sitting right beside you. Say amen. She said amen for you. My goodness. That's her mom. Mom's like, amen. I drove the fear of God into her. <laughs> we, we need to have a better understanding of the word fear. This is where the confusion is. The confusion is we don't know how to read fear in the Bible. We think fear means to dread God, to be terrorized by God, to fear His punishment, and not at all. Did you know that there are four categories of fear in the Bible? Number one, the first category of fear is called natural fear. The second category of fear is called the spirit of fear. It's spiritual. The third category of fear... Is the antithesis of fear, the opposite of fear? These are categories, and the fourth category of fear is the fear of the Lord. There are four categories of fear in your Bible. So, if you pick up your Bible and you don't know which category is being addressed, you're gonna get confused, you can get mixed up. And you can, you can possibly think that God is saying here, fear me. Be scared of me. I'm going to judge you. Not. The hardest thing for me to do, as I said earlier, was to reconcile the grace, the grace of God, living in a grace culture and talking about the fear of God. So I had to dig a little deeper than the average preacher. You're going to hear a lot of preachers preach on this, but when I'm done today, you're not going to listen to them again. I promise you. That's my mission. We have four categories of fear that we must debunk to get an understanding of what fear is all about with the thousands of references or at least a thousand references of fear in the Bible. Now, let's touch on natural fear for a minute. What is natural fear? Now, there are many in the Bible that had natural fear. And when I am talking about natural fear, Because no fear is natural. Write it down. No fear is natural. But we call it natural fear because it has been inbred or in in the human uh, since the fall of Adam. Did you know that before the fall of Adam, there was no fear? God never created Adam with fear, ever. Fear came from the fall. So if fear was natural... (laughs) It came as part of the package of the fall. But prior to the fall, there was no fear. Adam was the first one that feared. And he feared because he failed. Sin brought fear. But we're going to use for proper understanding the idea of natural fear. A fear that has been inbred or part of the DNA of human beings. Fear. Fear. Natural fear. Everybody say natural fear. Good. Natural fear always occur when we are when we are not sure about something. When we are unaware. When we are not. Um, when we. Let me see what the word was. Fear of the unknown. That's the word I want to look for this morning. Fear of the unknown. We always have fear of the unknown. Like for example, Lisa went to Cuba. And Lisa, who has eaten shark all her life, shark and bake, on the beaches of Trinidad, goes swimming with a shark while Carlton stands and says, Lisa, you're mad. I never thought I married a mad woman. Carlton says, I'll never put my foot in the water with a shark. But Lisa grew up eating shark. She ain't afraid of them. She's like, dinner tonight? (laughs) But Carlton, in his natural fear, wouldn't even touch shark. Wouldn't even go in the water. And most of you wouldn't either. Amen, amen. (laughs) And and so there is a side of us that have a natural fear, fear of the unknown. Um, When we are faced with things such, uh, things that we don't understand, we tend to be a little bit more apprehensive with it. So, for example, electricity. Many of you here would gladly switch a switch in your home. You'd put it on, switch on, switch off. In fact, most of you here would venture to change a light bulb. How many KICC members does it take to screw in a light bulb? I'll leave that there. (laughs) Jay, you can answer that. Uh, Most of you would venture to, to, to change a light bulb. But here's the thing. Most of you would never venture to go down in your basement and open the junction box, the electrical box. And you wouldn't touch that box, the reason being because in your mind you understand that there's over 120 volts coming through that that, that box. And any switch you touch, you are barbecued. <laughs> you make a mistake in that box, you're baking. But you'll switch light switch on. Light switches on and off, on and off. How many of you here would go down and venture to the box? I notice not a lot of women put up their hands. I, that's the point I want to make. Thank you, one woman. Your husband didn't put up his hands, so that tells me what's happening in your home. Hallelujah. <laughs> we don't go near to these things because it's the fear of the unknown. Everybody said the fear of the unknown. And that's common sense there is a natural fear. There are some folks in this church that I know they have they have a fear of of dogs. I wonder who that is they have They have a fear of 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 other things <laughs> um, I, I I just yeah um, they have a fear of the the dark um They're natural fears and fear of heights. Uh, My uncle Ray was sharing with me at one point. You know, he was good at at, at, on heights. He says, but as I got older, I'm a little bit more intimidated by height because, you know, I'm not too sure with my balancing as much. And I, I understand that as you get older, you become a little bit more intimidated because of the function of your body. And I get it, natural fear. I'm about to say natural fear. In fact, over in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angel of the Lord showed up, and the angel of the Lord said to Mary, Fear not. Perhaps the angel of the Lord was talking to Mary not to fear him or not to fear the plan of God. However, it turned out to be that Mary had some type of apprehension, some type of fear to not engage. And I don't know how many of you here would dare to engage some big creature coming into your room in the middle of the night saying, Hey, Mary. I mean, some of you sleep with the lights on. Don't lift your hands. (laughs) The the truth is, and and the point I want to get across to you is that there is natural fear, or pre-ademic fear. Fear that most of you and all of us have natural fear. However, let me say this, not all fear is evil. Oh boy you got to remember this sentence. Not all fear is bad. Natural fear is not bad. Maybe bad for you. <laughs> but it's not bad. Not all fear is evil. And we've got to get away from this notion to demonize everything. I've been having a little chat with my groups on that problem. Fear can be a natural emotion, but fear can also be a spiritual attachment. Did you know that? A spiritual attachment. For example, 2 Timothy 1, 7 let Let's go there for a minute. Look what it says. For God had not given us a... See that word? Spirit of fear. Spirit of fear. But of power, of love, and of a sound mind. In other words, the spirit of fear is evil. God is comparing between a sound mind and the spirit of fear. That the spirit of fear is going to disrupt three things in your life. It's going to disrupt your power. It's going to disrupt your ability to love. And it's going to disrupt your peace. <laughs> when the spirit of fear comes, it's crazy. The spirit of fear is in direct competition with the spirit of God. With the spirit that God gave us was the Holy Spirit. Who is the spirit of power? Who is the spirit of love? And who is the spirit of a sound mind? He's the spirit of peace. God didn't give us an evil spirit. God never put the spirit of fear on anybody. Hello, somebody. So what is this spirit of fear? Well, first of all, the spirit of fear causes fear. Everybody write it down. Big revelation. Big revelation. That's a good one right there. Everybody write it down. The spirit of fear causes fear. The spirit of fear does what? It causes fear. Spirit of fear does what? Causes fear. causes fear. It causes extreme trauma. It causes a traumatizing type of fear. It causes extreme anxiety. Now listen, if you've seen some, some folks who are coming into the church and they're suffering from anxiety, that's the spirit of fear. The moment you hear the diagnostics, anxiety. <laughs> Spirit of fear. Somebody comes up here. We're going to talk about it. we hold on a minute. So the spirit of fear is an extreme act of fear. Now, I'm sure Carlton didn't have an extreme fear for shark. But if you do have an extreme fear, an agonizing, a tormenting type of fear, there is likely a spirit attached to that. Because fear is an external thing. We're only fear and fear of the external. We're afraid to achieve, we're afraid to go to school, we're afraid to stand publicly and speak, we're afraid of sharks, those are external. But the spirit of fear becomes internal. The spirit of fear attaches itself To everything inside of you and tells you, you can never achieve. If you touch that, you're going to die. You're going to die. And all that comes out of your mouth is death. The spirit of fear is usually attached to sickness, terminal illness. For example, the spirit of fear is attached directly to cancer. Many times as I deal with cancer, I've cast out the spirit of fear and the cancer goes. People who have the spirit of fear, fear death. And by fearing death, the spirit of fear comes upon them. The spirit of fear is is, is attached to, to, to the fear the, the idea in your mind that you're gonna lose your family, lose your life, lose your blessing, you're gonna die early. Spirit of fear is attached to that junk. Constant intimidation. You're constantly intimidated by something or someone. Let me give you some examples. A child who is terrified of a horror movie and can't sleep for days and weeks usually will be under the attack of a... This is why we don't entertain watching horror movies. For that reason, not that horror movies are bad. Man, a little Chucky here, a little Chucky there, you know what I mean? (laughs) Ain't nothing wrong with horror movies. But for the sake of the spirit of fear coming off that screen, we say don't watch it. Because if the spirit of fear gets a hold of your kid at an early age, they're going to they're gonna be traumatized in anxiety, in anguish for the rest of their lives. And so we don't watch certain shows because of the spiritual context. Everybody says spiritual context. Let me go down a road here that will help you. We don't listen to certain music because of the... We don't, we don't entertain certain artists and behaviors because of the Bob Marley movie, because of the marijuana I'll leave that there. <laughs> I'm sure some of you have seen it. No problem. You will deal with the spiritual consequences, not me. I know it's cool. But cool isn't God. <laughs> God's better than cool. When a child witnesses a violence or fighting in a home, for example, there's abusive parents cussing each other, beating each other, screaming. That child grows up with trauma. That child grows up with fear. That child child will be nice to the parent, but eventually that child will rebel. That child will be doing all kinds of stupidness. And you're like, why did my kid turn out like this? Because of you. You open the door for that child to behave like that. And you need to repent and apologize. My gosh. When a child undergoes rejection, especially if it's adoption, neglect, abandonment, they grow up with this sense of fear, fear of abandonment. Anybody, they, 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 even their spouse that, that tells them, I love you, I love you, I love you. Christine, I love you, I love you. But the spirit of fear keeps this idea in her head that one day I'm going to cheat on her and one day I'm going to leave her and one day I'm going to abandon and walk away because that's all that men do. That's a lie. That's the language of a spirit of fear. Not all Jamaicans or Guyanese cheat and lie. I'm tired and I always have to deal with Quran with that. Because Quran is an amazing J- Jamaican guy. One of the, him, Carlton, I've got so many amazing Jamaicans in this house. I can't even tell you. And listen, y'all don't come here looking for a Jamaican man. <laughs> They're taken. <laughs> Just putting it out there, you know what I'm saying? You've heard that say, saying, all Jamaican men cheat. That's a lie. That's a spirit of fear. But we've entertained that. We've entertained that spirit of fear. And if you entertain it, it'll come on you. Job entertained it. We're going to talk about Job in a couple of weeks, guys. Get ready. Brace yourself. We're going to wreck Job. We're going to destroy Job and then resurrect him. Job is the most mispreached person in the Bible. The thing he feared the most came upon him. Not God sent it. Nonsense. (laughs) And that's what you have to understand this morning. Fear. The spirit of fear is looking for an open door. The spirit of fear is looking to see who is afraid of life. My God. When we become fearful or paranoid or overly focused on the kingdom of darkness, demons, evil spirits, we open the door to the spirit of fear. That happens all the time. I see people, all they talk about is there must be a demon. There must be a demon. Not everything is a demon. Many things are. (laughs) 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 That's right, says Richard, that's right. But not everything has a demon attached to it. And when we believe that everything is, oh, there's a demon in my room. There's a demon, that's why it's dark. No, my friend, you're just, you have a spirit of fear. You overemphasize. You hear some of those Christians that all they talk about is the end of the world. God is going to destroy America. Blow up Canada and sink Guyana. And before Guyana goes, Trinidad will slide into the mud. I'm sorry. I think that's just the spirit of fear talking. And I think a lot of you may be carrying the spirit of fear or entertaining that spirit unawares and you don't even know it. You have the spirit of fear. Our posture towards the unknown, towards the demonic Towards the realm of evil should always be, I'm aware of you, but I ain't afraid of you. Homie, I'm packing. (laughs) I'd cap you. With John (laughs) 3.16. Sometimes the spirit of fear can project fear on us. And and let me go here for a minute. There There is, I dealt with this so I can talk about it. The spirit of fear sometimes, even here, because you see a lot of deliverance, sometimes you can see this stuff and get afraid of it. And let's just be honest. There's some people that don't come back to this church because they heard somebody screaming. I'm <laughs> saying it's true. While well, there are other people like, yeah, entertainment today at church. <laughs> Jesus is going to show up and whoop the devil again. But there's some people who are genuinely afraid of demons. And so because our church is a deliverance church and lots of deliverance happen here, Lots of healings and miracles happen here. Some people come and the first time they see it, they don't want to come back. And that's usually when I realize the spirit of fear is projecting fear on people. Because deliverance is good. Everybody says good. It's good. It's freedom. It's God's goodness. But people are so afraid of the demonic. Of the, the, the demonic actually projects fear on people. It happened to me when I was younger, so I know I went through a deliverance that took me almost three years to overcome. And, 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 and why was the spirit of fear doing that? Because the spirit of fear projects fear on me so I don't take up the ministry of deliverance. I realized that the spirit of fear didn't want me to get into involved in helping other people find freedom. So the spirit of fear oppressed me. Oppressed me it came upon me made me afraid of deliverance not realizing that one day I'd be going into the deliverance Ministry perhaps what you're going through today is that is that some spirit is oppressing you To keep you away from your victory you know I was teaching the young adults the other day and I was saying to them just beyond your fear is your victory Everybody said just beyond my fear is my victory Just beyond your fear is your ministry. Just beyond your fear is your blessing. We have to overcome fear. And we cannot let the spirit of fear come upon us because the spirit of fear will shut down the blessing of God in our lives. Everybody say amen. I once had a woman that visited us when we first started our ministry over in Woodbridge. And the gal, I'm not sure who brought her in, but the gal came to the ministry. And when she came to the ministry, she would not come into the church. She stood at the church door, and all the ushers were trying to persuade her to come in, come in, come in. And finally, somebody got her in, and as they were bringing her down halfway down the aisle, she took off her shoes. I don't know if you remember, Jay. She took off her shoes and ran out the door up the street. Jay, close the door. (laughs) This actually happened to us when we started our ministry. We saw the spirit of fear come on people, knowing that she could have come and got deliverance, and she could have come and got healing, and God would have blessed her and free her from all that she was going through. Demons love to project the spirit of fear on us so that we don't uncover them. We don't expose them and we don't expel them. So they project this fear. Some of you here when you first came and you heard some screaming. You're like, ah, I got to leave. Why, why, why? I get it. We understand it. We can't do anything about it. This is part of our ministry. And this is who we are. We're staying here. And that's my final words. (laughs) Amen. So let me talk about the third kind of fear this morning. The third kind of fear is uh, the, uh, the opposite of faith, the antithesis of faith, the, the opposite of faith. Faith, faith, fear, faith, fear, faith, fear, faith. In fact, the Bible talks about where Jesus rebuked his disciples. Matthew chapter 8 verse 24 to 36 says it this way. The Bible talks about fear and faith in the same context. Because the disciples were troubled. The Bible says "And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. And so that the boat was covered with waves. The waves were coming in, man. Uh, But he, Jesus, was asleep. Check this out. His followers went to him calling, Help us, Lord, or we will die. And he said to them, Why are you, why are you, why are you fearful? Why are you afraid? Oh, ye of, so there was something happening. Their faith should have kicked in, but their fear kicked in instead. How many of you that has happened to? Okay, it's happened to me more times than I want to admit. When my faith should have kicked in when I should have invested, when I should have taken that step of faith, when I should have done this, when I should have done that, I didn't do it. I got more afraid of it because I was afraid of the unknown and I was afraid of the spiritual and I was afraid to step out of my boat, out of my comfort zone. You could be sitting right here today and you're a great investor. You make money, but you're afraid of the power of God. How do you balance that? Because at one point you have faith in fact, you have more faith in your money than you do in God. That's me sweeping the floor. See, that's the problem with the church. We don't understand how fear works. We don't understand how faith works. And so, the disciples, which should have ha- whom should have had faith, you were afraid. They were afraid. And he stooped down and spoke sharp words. To the wind and to the waves. And then the wind stopped. Great calm came. Fate and fear can be present in somebody's life at the same time. You can possess both. It's not either or, it's which one you'll choose to lead you. That's how it works. You can choose your fate to lead you, or you can choose your fear to lead you. It's which one you want. But there's no such a thing as a person without fear. (laughs) everybody has got fear. I got fear. I got fear of staying in this building forever. (laughs) (laughs) That's a legit fear. (laughs) You all have fear and you all have faith. A measure of faith has been given to all of you. But you need to choose which one you will live from today. Hello, somebody. When you you choose your fear, when you choose your fear, a light drizzle becomes a storm. Write it down. And when you choose faith, your storms become a light drizzle. (laughs) So it depends on where you're operating from, fear or faith. Up to you. Amen, somebody? (laughs) Good. Let's look at number four. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? We've talked about natural fear. We've talked about the spirit of fear. We've talked about the opposite or the antithesis of fear. But what is the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of the Lord? What does it mean for me to fear God? Pastor, we got to fear God. What does that mean, bro? Pastor, there's no fear of God in the church. What? How did you come up with that statement? Pastor, that brother, he's wearing an earring in his ear, and, and, and he's wearing a baseball hat, and... and, 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 and he has no fear of God, really? He probably has more God than you. You understand how the fear of God is used? It's used to intimidate us. That's how people use the fear of God because they lack understanding of what it is. So they use it to in, for intimidation purposes. How many of you that happened to? It happened to me, It happened to my brother. He left the church. Never went back to that church because of people speaking garbage and putting fear in him that God is going to judge him. That's not true. God already judged Jesus. Oh, boy. We're going someplace. You all got to listen to me. I got this stuff wrapped around my pinky. I'm packing today, bro. Because I wanted you to see when you put on your TV and you watch some of these preachers, they're not teaching you the truth. Fear of the Lord. Are we to be frightened of God? Are we to be alarmed by God's presence? How can you be frightened of a good God? We sang it this morning. He's so good. How can I be afraid of love and goodness and kindness and mercy and gentleness? My God is not angry. He's not even a bit frustrated. He's in a good mood. So then why should I be afraid of him? What are you teaching me? What are you propagating? What are you preaching? What is this fear of God? Some believers, they still think that God is out to punish them for the wrongs that they do. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you think because you've messed up that God is out to get you. He's got a stick ready to beat the snot out of you and punish you for the rest of your life. But can I tell you something? God already placed all that punishment that you <laughs> contracted on Jesus. So we are not afraid of the punishment of God. Everybody say, I'm not afraid of the punishment of God. Good. So this is debunking this fear that we should have in the church. You can't preach grace and have fear of God's punishment. You can't do that, Pastor Thomas. I can't stand here and tell you every day God is good and then I'm going to tell you God's out to get you. You can't do that. There's a bunch of criminals out there preaching this garbage. (coughs) In the new covenant, we're supposed to be serving a God that we love, that loves us. Not somebody who we're afraid of, yet most people don't understand this. They're still operating under that Old Testament mentality The law exists and we need to fear God's righteous judgment. Well, I don't need to fear God's righteous judgment because I became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So then how can I fear God's righteous judgment when he already made me righteous? Talk to me. Talk to me. This is common sense. This is logic we're going in here now. I can't fear judgment when judgment has already been passed. I can't fear punishment when punishment has already been doled out. I can't fear anger when anger has already been appeased. I can't, there's no reason for me to fear God in the sense of dread him. There's none. There is no reason for any of you this morning to fear God. God is not going to hurt you. God is not going to beat you up. God is not going to put sickness on you. God is not going to cause your mama to die. God is not going to do that. God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. God loves you. Friends, when you became born again, you came out from the punishment of God. There is no fear in love. Everybody said there is no fear in love. Everybody said there is no fear in love. You don't have to fee- fear retribution or rejection. You do not have to fear correction. You do not have to fear any of these things. You are a new creation. In you is all the God you can ever handle. God in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's for me. Take, take that call. Tell her I'm busy. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, it says God dwells in you richly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 16, it says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. In 2 Timothy 1.4, it says you are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Why is that important this morning? It's important because of the lies. There are many out there that are teaching and preaching And believe that we should have a healthy fear of God. Have you ever heard that word? A healthy fear of God? When you hear it, run from it. It's a fraud. (laughs) There's no such thing as a healthy fear of God. There is only the fear of God. And we need to define what the fear of God is. We're going to get there. But I know this for now, I know this for now, the fear of God is not torment, (laughs) there is no torment in love, amen, I said the fear of God is not pressure on your mind to perform, it's not pressure on your mind to live better. If you feel that by fearing God, somehow your kids are gonna live better and you're gonna live better. I got news to you. That's not how it works in the Bible. Fear never once made anybody live right except your children. Amen. Fear never made me. The more my mother whooped my behind, the more wickedness I did. I'm sorry because I'm the Andy. Come on, say amen, brother. I know you're the same. Amen, brother. Amen. I'm glad Andy came this morning. Listen, there's something about a beating. A beating says I can't touch it, and that's just when I want to touch it. The moment I don't touch it, I'm like, how do I get to that? <laughs> fear is not a motivation. Fear is a very weak motivation. We, 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 there are preachers out there that, that use fear to motivate their church. <laughs> what? <sighs> If you don't come to church, Lisa, you will burn in Cuba under that sun. (laughs) What? I can't use fear to motivate you because fear wears off. At some point, you become courageous. (laughs) And you want to be in the beaches. Listen, fear is not a good motivator for your children. If you're raising children and you think by beating them and yelling and screaming at them is going to make them better, it's not. Video games, I mean, I'll leave that there. The church, the old church has used fear, fear consistently using fear. Telling people, oh, God is gonna get you. You remember Ananias and Sapphira? How God, sh- God, by the way, God didn't strike Ananias and Sapphira. I'm gonna fix that in a week. Give me a chance. And they use these foolish texts to get people to live a holy life. That's not true. Fear should never be your motivation, folks. God will never use fear to motivate you. He will never do it. Not my God. He's a good God. God will use the Holy Spirit. God will use love. God will use the cross. Can I tell you something? There's a lot of you that think that if you, if you teach and preach fear, that somehow you're going to have a better church. You're going to have better ministry, you going to have better life. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. In fact, God sent the Holy Spirit to give us the fruit of the Spirit to help us live right. Why? How do we live right? By the fruit of the Spirit. Read it, Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is what most of us lack. So God gave us the Holy Ghost in the areas we lack. How many of you here suffer with self-control? Let me see your hands. Good. So guess what one of the fruit is? <laughs> Duh. The fruit of the Holy Spirit allows you to become holy in your walk with God. That's how it works, not fear. I mean, when I think about it, I'm like, man, how big is that stick you got, God. God needs you to to live from love. God doesn't need you to live from fear. Fear is not going to work. Fear will never work. Fear didn't work in the past and it won't work now. Fear just chased our children away from church. Fear just made everybody pretend to be somebody they're not. You know, I'm afraid of my wife, so I pretend to be good. Well, really, inside I needed a good whooping. (laughs) Don't pretend. Don't, oh, I'm going to pretend I'm going to dress up and I'm going to come here and wear my three-piece suit because I'm afraid that they'll really find out who I am. My friend, wear your tracksuit. You're fine. Get married in tracksuits. I don't care. Once you see the love of God, here's my point. Once you see the love of God, it'll transform you. And I think what's missing in the church is not the fear of God. What's missing in the church is the love of God. God's goodness. God's pure love. Unconditional love for people just like us. That's what I think is missing. I've discovered that when you really experience the love of God, there'll be a point in your life where you'll be forced to turn away from sin. Where you'll be forced to turn away from idols. Where you'll be force to turn away from your own selfishness. There is something the Bible talks about the love of God. The Bible says the love of God compels us. It propels us. It pushes us forward. It confines us to a certain way of thinking. It, the love of God can do more for us than the motivation of fear. You got to hear me this morning. We've been focusing on the wrong things. Fear is not going to change you. Love will transform you. I promise you this morning. The greatest transformation you can ever experience or the greatest transforming force on the earth is the love of God. You should see how Linda got Brandon to change. And if Linda can get Brandon to change, then God can get you to change by his love. All Linda did was put on red lipstick. And that was it. He was done. Done. He was done. Amen, sister. Amen. When the love of Jesus touches our heart, it will capture it. Just like a good spouse. You hear me this morning? Once our heart has been captured... Once our hearts have been captured, we become like butter. We become like clay in the hand of the potter. Ready. And you sing the song. Mold me. Make me. I'm telling you, God does not want us to fear Him. God wants us to know his love. Men and women have laid down their lives, given up their riches, all because they've experienced the love of God. I found this to be true. There is nothing more superior, nothing more powerful, nothing more penetrating, nothing more impacting than the love of Jesus. The Bible says where there is faith, Where there is hope, they will fail. But the love of God will never fail, will never abandon us. The love of God will never leave you alone. The sleepless nights you will have will come because God loves you and you're running, not because you fear God. Fear has no place in a healthy, loving relationship. None. No place. Where there is fear, there is no love. You cannot have as part of your, your heart fear for God. In fact, you should never shout in your life, I love you, Lord, and then whisper in your heart, I fear you, God. You should never do that. And can I say this? God is not going to use fear to transform the world. All these mad preachers you're hearing out there, we need to bring back the fear of God. You need to bring back brains. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got to say. That's so stupid to me. When they had the fear of God, it didn't work. So God sent Jesus his love. For years, I sat on the teachings of an angry God. I even bought a book by Jonathan Edwards. Great, great missionary. And the church, folks, idolizes Jonathan Edwards. Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. I'm going to write a book, Sinners in the Hand of a Loving God. That makes more sense to me. Why are we so... Man, what's going on with all the phones today? <laughs> Sheesh, like people are watching me lot. Hallelujah, Pastor, this is good. Romans 2.4, quickly. Romans 2.4 has been a mantra in that sense of the word. Um, a landmark in my spirit. and Right at the bottom it says the goodness of God leads to repentance, not fear. What leads to repentance? You think you can change your wife by yelling and cussing at her? Try making dinner. Try making dinner. You'll see what will happen to that gal. She'll be butter. <laughs> you think by beating your children that's going to make them turn out good? Look at you. You got beat, look how you turned out. I'll leave that there. (laughs) If beating worked, it should have worked on you. (laughs) I'm just saying, it didn't. The Bible says it leads to repentance. The love of God, the goodness of God changes your direction. It changes your motive. It empowers you to make better choices. In fact, it does much more than fear. Amen? Amen? So in conclusion this morning, in conclusion, let me ask you this morning, how many of you love God? I see your hands. That's awesome. Let me ask you another question. How much do you love God? That's, big, that's a different question. I know you love God, but how much do you love God? That changes the direction and the projection of love. Just one word. Much and how. I love my wife. I get it. But how much do you love your wife? Because if you love your wife, you wouldn't cuss her. No, 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 just be, just be quiet. This is the point where you, where you all sit back and take it in. This is, this is the part. This is the hook. This is where we reel the fish in. Everybody loves God. There are people watching me online. I love God. God, I love, nah. You're a drunkard. You can't love him that much. You can't love him that much. You can't love him that much because love constrains you. Love changes you. I remember marrying that gal over there. And bro, the amount of changes I went through, I'm thinking to myself, I must be a chameleon or something. (laughs) Because of my love for her, and every man in this room will testify of that. Somehow our wives don't change, we change. I don't know why that is so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's the brother, right? He's like, yeah, we got it. It's like, my husband, he needs a good changing. But my wife never changes. She was born perfect. <laughs> how about you, Chan? It's your husband that needs changing. It's, it's the weirdest thing. But my point is this. I love my wife, but at some point I had to get into the question of how much I love my wife. I love God, but at some point I need to ask myself, how much do I love God? Not how much I fear Him. How much? I love Him. And that came with other questions. Because Jesus put it this way. He says, if you say that you love me, you will obey me. Hello, somebody. You'll come to church. (laughs) The least you can do is get fed. Do you love him enough to help build his kingdom? Or are you just building your wealth? Are you just accumulating things for the inheritance of your children? Are you are you telling me you love God, but but when God needs you, you're busy? Do you love him enough to build his kingdom? Do you love him enough to tell somebody else about him? Do you love him enough to become a workman in his harvest? You see, I love God, but I love God only in my words. Because I never get to the place in my life where I ever question how much do I love God. And what some people do, especially young couples, you think your love is about what you can avoid doing. I love you, Daniel, so I won't cheat on you. That's not, that's a given. But I love you, Daniel, I'll make your life better. That's another level. You see, God, I love you. God, I love you. And I'll never speak bad about you, but God, I love you and I'll become a laborer for you, that's another level. Because now there's an investment of you. When you use the word much, you have to invest yourself. (laughs) That word much is an investment. I love you, Josh will say to you, but then you will turn around and say, how much do you love me, and can you prove it? At some point, you have to ask yourself, how much do you love God? Do you love Him enough to put away sin? Do you love Him enough this morning to put away sin? You see, you don't need the fear of God to make you put away sin. That's my point. How much I love God will tell me how much I give up of this world. The love of God is a greater motivator... Than the fear of God. Oh boy. Come on, talk to me, somebody. This is where I'm bringing, I'm bringing it home for you. This is good stuff. We can't buy into the fear of God, it's not gonna work. But when my kids and my family and, 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 and we love each other, that, that allows me to yield faster. And my yielding is permanent. With fear, it is never permanent it is until you get over the fear. But with love, it's permanent. The changes that you make on the love is long-term as opposed to the changes you make when you're afraid of somebody. So if you think fear will keep your kids safe, fear is not going to work. Love will keep them safer. My point, how much do you love God? Because if you love Him enough, you'll put away sin. Do you love him to love what he loves and to hate what he hates? Do you love him that much? Or are you just a church goer that says, I love you, God. Ah, Hallelujah. Wonderful. We we love church goers. Thank you. But I hope you don't marry a man that says, I'm a wife goer. I just love my wife, but every night... I'm watching pornography. I'm with another woman. I'm chatting up on my little, my little Instagram and everybody else is behind except yours. See, that's how you treat God. Because you love God. But if your husband or your wife treats you like that, you'd go up in a frenzy. You'd go buy yourself a machine gun. I, I don't think the church understands the love of God. I think we're trying to hustle the fear of God because it's religiously inclined. But when it comes to the rubber meeting the road, we need to ask the question, how much do I love God? How much do I love you, God? And do I love you enough to lay down my life and take up the cross? Do I love you enough to put away sin? Do I love you enough to just pass through this world without making it my home? Do I love you enough to build your kingdom? Do I love you enough to worship you on Sunday mornings? Do I love you enough? Ladies and gentlemen, would you please stand with me all over this house? Do you love God to be faithful to him? Because you sure want your husband and your wife to be faithful to you. It's amazing when you preach the love of God in contrast to the fear of God, how the love of God is far superior. Far superior. Now, everybody shake it off. I don't want you to carry that burden on you this this morning. I want you to understand this and understand it well. The fear of God is a terrible motivator for you, the church, and this world. Do not preach fear. Do not make people scared of God. Please help them to fall in love with God. Please show them your best life. Everybody wants to live their best life, but nobody is showing their best life. Could you show the world your best life? That's another book I'm going to write. Thank you, Joel Alstein. How to show your best life. The way you show your best life is through the love of God. Not scaring people, not beating up people, not ostracizing people, not condemning people because they're weak. No, God forbid. So this morning, would you close your eyes and lift your hands all over this house? And would you ask yourself this, before you do that, would you tell God that you love him? Please, would you tell God, God, I love you and I thank you for loving me. And then I want you to ask yourself a serious question. How much do I love God? You need to ask yourself a serious question, Simeon. You need to ask yourself a serious question. How much do I love God? And that will determine your level of commitment. It will determine your lifestyle. It will determine your giving. It will determine uh, your, your sacrifices. It will determine so much. You don't need fear. You need love. Love is the greatest motivator in the Bible. How much do you love God? How much do you love God? That's the question of the hour. Don't go seeking after the fear of God. Not today. (laughs) Seek after the love of God. Seek to know God in a greater way. To love God better than you did yesterday. The love of God. For those of you watching me online, don't fear God. God loves you. God delights in you. He's died on a cross for your sins. He's done everything possible to show you his great and magnificent love. And I pray this morning, you will experience that love of God in your home. He'll heal you. He'll provide for you. He'll do everything. But in reciprocation, You must respond in kind. You must respond in kind. What he gave you should at least give back the bare minimum. <laughs> give him your life. Give him your life this morning. He gave his life for you, you give your life to him. And the rest will be the greatest romance you will ever experience in this lifetime.